We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Hi and welcome to Wine with Megan Mel. We're here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. Joining you is Meg Brotman, Master of Wine, and me, Mel. I am my, um, I'm a super taster. <laughs> so, Meg, I think we're kind of like super, superheroes in a way. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> super tasters are the worst people to have over for dinner because they're so sensitive to particularly bitter. So they don't like tannic wine. They don't like bitter food, broccoli. Most no. adults, as they get older, we didn't eat bitter food originally because it was considered poisonous so that's why as young children we prefer to go for sweet food or salty food but yes super taste is not good and apparently they've got a high proportion of malnutrition because they won't eat like leafy green (laughs) yeah that sounds about right vegetables but i've got to say mel's not um she's she's moved past her super taster stage to understand it a little bit better and feel better about it, I think. I don't like broccoli, that's for <gasps> sure. Oh, I hate, I hate broccoli. Love bitter. No, see, but, I, I really like salads and stuff. I like carrots, but I do not like the bitterness in broccoli. Well, they've also shown that super tasters tend to favour f- high-fat, high-sugar food. Oh, God, yeah. That's because it suits yeah. their, their palate. Um, but... I mean, I mean, there's so I, many studies done. Who knows? It definitely, I like to drink something soft and elegant, like a Pinot Noir, like a big, rich Malbec or something. It's very offensive to me. Yeah. So, yeah, super taste is not great. Whatever. I'm still going to, like, make myself can, a cape can, yeah, that says superhero. It. Just on your business card. Super taster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Meg, not a super taster, but a master of wine. So, um, very much impressive in a very real way. Um, what have you been drinking this week? What does a master of wine drink during the week? This week I had a Cherubino Riesling from Parangarup in the Great Southern, so the bottom end of WA. So, Cherubino, Larry Cherubino, I went to uni with, um, shared a flat with him. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to try this beautiful, beautiful wine. I did it in a tasting. I was filling in for a mate of mine um, at the wine shop she works at. And everyone loved it. And everyone sort of went, oh, Riesling. We don't want to drink Riesling. And they said, that's amazing. Why do people not want to drink Riesling? They think it's sweet. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's not. Yeah, that's actually quite um, normal. Like my mum says she doesn't drink Riesling, but... Mm. It's not, they're not normally even sweet Riesling in Australia, is there? I don't understand no. why people think it's in sweet. In the 70s and 80s, we did have a lot of sweet Rieslings and sort of uh, hocks and these Germanic styles of wine, Black Tower. Yeah. But we haven't been making sweet Riesling. Well, it saw a resurgence in the early 2000s where people huh. were putting residual sugar in it. Prior to that, it was pretty much dry, 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 dry. I mean, anything yeah. from Clare or Eden Valley is searingly dry. Yeah, okay, so that one you recommend, it's a good good drop? It was just delicious. Larry <laughs> used to do my head in. Shout out to you, Larry, if you're listening. But, um, yeah, the man knows how to make booze. It, it was a very, very good wine and a region that I don't often drink from. Okay. Um, and I just love the fact that it had all that lovely Riesling, lime juice and minerality, but it felt quite full at the yeah. same time, so... I will definitely be going back and buying some more. the kind of thing that we need to go to like a specialty wine store or is Um, it pretty widely available? I 
got a, a small local wine shop, Hops and Vine in Warrandyte, but I Googled it later just to see what the pricing was like. <laughs> and it's fairly widely available, particularly online. So okay. get well, yourself a mixed half dozen of whites. Good to know. I'll um I'll throw that wine in the notes in the description so people can follow that one up and give it a taste. But the next thing that I want to you, Meg, as usual, is a fun fact. Well, it's not really a fun fact. Rather, I'm I'm reeling in horror. Did you know that there's such a thing as enophobia? No. People who hate wine, they are phobic <laughs> about wine. I know. I was absolutely horrified. I was reading something the other day about super tasters and it had this term enophobia and I thought, oh, that's like a term that I would make up. That can't be true. And I Googled it and it's actually a thing. Like arachnophobia. You hate spiders. understand that. Hating wine? Really? Oh, that's sad. So that's my fun... Useless fact for oh, today, but it's like anti fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll on to slum, something slightly more fun. We've got Shiraz this week. We're going into it. It's the big one. It's the king of Australian wine. Um, it's everywhere. It's something like oh, it's it's definitely our number one grape within Australia, but also what we export around the world. How did Australia's love affair with Shiraz begin, Mac? I really don't know. I mean, we're the only people in the world that call it Shiraz. What did they call it overseas? Syrah. So it originated from, well, it's mainly grown in the northern part of the Rhone Valley in France, and it's called Syrah there. Mm -hmm. Um, It apparently originated in Croatia, and I can't remember what the blend of grapes was, but I think Duras, which is in the southwest of France, was one of the parents. Um, but we've named it after a sh- city in Persia, which is now Iran. So <laughs> somehow it's obviously got to Iran, um, which was known as Persia back then. And then somehow with its name intact, it's immigrated. I mean, Australia is the land of immigrants. It's immigrated to Australia known as Shiraz. It's been around here for hundreds of years. I mean, some of the plantings in the Barossa are, you know, over 100 years old and it's our definite grape variety. It's Australian-owned and grown. So in terms of this Syrah versus Shiraz stuff, I mean, I've definitely seen bottles of Shiraz that are labelled as Syrah Mm. in Australia. Is it going to taste any different? Um. Generally, just a top tip, if you see a label, that, a bottle that's a burgundy bottle, so like what you get Pinot Noir in, yeah. it will often be labelled Syrah because that's the bottle they use in the Northern Rhone. So that's your first giveaway. And what it's telling you is it's not, it's more of a cool climate style, so you would expect to see some pepper in there. You may see some of this, what we call whole bunch, so some of the grape stem tannins are in the wine Um, it will tend towards not the cooked fruit profile so you'll have the fresh mulberry plum um, maybe some blueberry fruit in there whereas in the warmer climates of Australia where it's called Shiraz we will have much more of that cooked jammy fruit characteristics so Syrah tends to be cool cooler climates uh, fresh fruit profile Less oaky and spicy and peppery is the other character that people see in it. Meg, you've just blown my mind. I've never, ever put that together, that, that like, shorter, fatter 
um, like burgundy bottle. And now you'll never unsee it. Yeah, but no, so seriously, when, um, so Scott from our cellar door, he was in here helping us set up before and he looked at the bottle um, from the Barossa Valley and he was like, oh, I can already tell I don't like this because it's in a Bordeaux bottle. I don't know if he knows that that's a trick or whatever, but it's interesting that that was already his perception. Yep. And when I was buying the wines, um, everything that was from South Australia or Southeastern Australia, these warmer climates, was in what we call a Bordeaux bottle. Mm. So a straight line bottle rather than the burgundy style bottle. So yeah, it's a marketing tool. I mean, obviously most people have never noticed it before, but... I've been working wine for seven years and I've never noticed that. There you go. Top tip. Wow. Full of them. So you say that Shiraz, or let's call it Syrah, um, comes, it's most famously known from a region in France. Can you tell us a bit about how that is likely to taste? So the Northern Rhone is cooler. It's um, planted on steep slopes um, so that they can get as much exposure as they possibly can. And they use a really weird kind of trellising system up there. It's called the Christmas tree trellis. So rather than us, when you go to a vineyard, you see the arms growing out the sides. They actually train it so it goes up looking like a Christmas tree, so it's staked so, so up. So the vines, like the vines that the grapes grow on. Yeah. So what they're trying to get is as much fruit exposure as possible. They're hanging mm. the grapes up, Wow. the stake. Um, the road, Northern Rhone's divided into different areas and... Some of the areas can blend in some white fruit as well. So they can put in some Viognier, Marsan or Roussan, which is something that you've seen in Australia as well. It just adds a little bit of perfume. But they tend to be not as much new oak um, and the tannins are quite quite raw when the wines are young. Shiraz... Australian Shiraz, particularly grown in Barossa or warmer climates, tends to have what I call a rounder Shiraz, whereas when you taste a Northern Rhone, it has this distinct, what I call extracted tannin. So it's it's very evident, quite drying um, tannin. There were sort of two schools of winemaking there. There was a guy called Augusta Clapp who did a whole bunch and he just wanted as much tannin as he possibly could. As times evolved um they've changed their wine making a little bit but the wine that we have here today definitely has that smells new world yeah it does lots of new oak i thought it was Barossa when yeah. i first smelled it smells new world definitely so what is this wine that we're drinking so this is a carved de tarn now carve in french just means a carve cooperative so it's a bunch of growers that get their wine made in a single facility mm-hmm. um and this is a cross hermitage so cross hermitage is the appellation it's the region that the grapes are grown in it only states syrah on the label but they could have put in some Viognier, but tasting it, I don't really see any of that perfume. Cross Hermitage is one of the larger appellations, Cross Hermitage and San Josef, and they tend to produce the more volume, cheaper, more accessible wines. I deliberately bought two wines today that were the same price. Yep. Um, so $33, so the French one and the, the Barossan one. Okay, so $33 for this Rhone Tsurah. What do you think of the standard? Is this is this a really nice wine? Would you say that this is a good one for people to taste if they're interested in trying French Syrah? Very meaty, very earthy. It would be something that I would... Um, it's from 2017, which was a good vintage. It would be something that I would definitely open up and maybe jiggle about a bit in the bottle because it's quite tannic to start with. But I can imagine having this on a cold winter's day mm. with... Bar- long slow barbecue with mates 
So when you say jiggle it about in the bottle, do you mean like if someone had a decanter, would that be worth yeah, using? Yeah, a decanter would work. It needs a little bit of air in it. Okay, so even just like pouring it out and swiveling it yep. in your glass or that sort of thing. Exactly. Or even, I mean, we used to do this when we couldn't afford decanters. Um, we just pour it from bottle to bottle. Yeah. Empty bottle to empty bottle. Yeah, that's a good tip. Okay, so that's our own wine. Now we're going to get into the Rob Dolan uh, Shiraz. So that's kind of interesting because you've been talking a lot about sort of the differences between that sort of like heavier, meatier uh, Barossa Shiraz. But how is a Yarra Valley Shiraz going to sit differently? Yarra Valley is cool climate and it's all about spice. Spice. So think of mulberries and plums, but fresh again. Um Black pepper is a common descriptor. I can't personally see it. I'm what's called anosmic for black pepper, so you could put a bucket load in there and I wouldn't be able to smell it. But everyone describes it as um, black pepper. I can see it more as a green peppercorn characteristic. Mm. You get some of this licorice aroma as well, and we don't tend to – the fruit profile, again, when you see a barossin is – in the cool climate in the Yarra, it's much more fresh fruit. We also have some blueberry, I think, in um, the Yarra Valley, and I often get hints of lavender. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, like, I know I'm biased here, but I re- I'm enjoying this a lot more than the French one, which I didn't actually necessarily expect that. The Cros Dermatage is something that you would need to it really open up and let it open up um it's also under cork you know which is not great always this is just this is the beauty about a lot of australian wines and of course i'm biased for the yarra valley but our wines are approachable young but still have enough grunt to Mm. age as well and this wine it's got those those softer rounded tannins that i love in shiraz and that's what i'm looking for when i'm drinking shiraz is that soft round mouth filling flavour but I like the spice and the freshness of the wine it's not heavy and exhausting on my palate so to be fair the first one you said was $32 um the Rob Dolan Shiraz is worth 38 will that difference in price reflect the quality you think definitely I mean that cross Hermitage in Europe is probably about six euros yeah okay so six dollars yeah so and in the Yarra Valley, we crop cross Hermitage crops very, very heavy. So you notice the concentration of fruit wasn't as much. Yeah, absolutely. In the Yarra Valley, we can't crop that heavy because we are cool climate. Um, there's not as many sites, so we're lucky that we have access. Wait, to sorry, some. what do you mean by crop heavy? So the higher yield. So the more yield you have on, the more that the vine has to work and yeah. spread its love around. Yeah, it's like having two children, giving you love, and having twelve children. <laughs> you know, there's only so much that you can do in a day. And when you have too much crop, you just get dilution of fruit concentration, I think. And I think we see that in the first wine. Whereas in this second wine, it's got that lovely concentration, but this elegance and finesse about it. Yeah, no, it really does. And so you're saying that each vine essentially growing less grapes is what's giving it that more kind of complexity and richness of flavour. And a longer growing season. You know, when we go to taste the Barossan wine, very short growing season, because we are cooler in the Yarra, our summers aren't as hot. So Mm. Shiraz can ripen anywhere. We were just talking about this today. I've picked Shiraz on the same day as Chardonnay, which (laughs) is normally normally your first grape off. And I've also picked Yarra Valley Shiraz after Cabernet. And it looks like this year we'll be going towards the Cabernet end. So that's the interesting thing about it. And some of the clones that we have 
here in Australia are these old um, sort of central Victorian clones. So they've yeah. been around for hundreds of years. You may know best in, best in Great Western. They've got these old clones of um, Shiraz, and so it's part of our heritage. So clones being just different styles of the same Well, we're vine. all different clones. So we're all homo sapien, yeah. like this is vitis vinifera, um, but... Different clones, yeah. So you could be a Central Victorian clone, I could be a Rome clone. <laughs> um, that was a bit mean, Meg, like reflecting on... No, because, <laughs> sorry, I thought that was really nice. Look at the finesse and elegance on in Central that. Victorian. Yes. I was thinking like Central Australian when you no, said that. I thought you were calling me like a Riverland. No, I was like, I was, ouch. <laughs> I wasn't calling you a bruiser one. Whereas, I'm a goon sack. Whereas the, uh, the roan is a little bit more aggressive and drying and, and not, not as concentrated. True. Oh, gosh. Look, if I'm a Yarra Valley clone, I'm very happy. Yes. But, um, I, I should be happy. I wouldn't, wouldn't be too upset with a goon sack either. <laughs> Classy. Oh, you know me. Maybe we will put you in the Riverland. <laughs> All right, let's go to our last one. We're finally here, Barossa Valley Shiraz. If anyone from Australia knows any kind of wine and really any grape and could identify a region that goes with it like that, it is Barossa Shiraz. Tell us about Barossa Shiraz. The first thing that you always notice with Barossa Shiraz is colour. We were talking about colours before, what colours we use to describe it. Barossa Shiraz often has that purple mm. colour. And we, we sort of reserve purple when you see that distinct blue edge. Higher alcohols, they're always around 14.5%. There's often a lot of oak in there because there's so much rich concentrated fruit, they can support a fair amount of oak. The thing that for me stands apart with Barossa and a warmer climate in general Shiraz is that you have this dried fruit character. Shiraz will raisin very, very easily. It's just one of the aspects of this grape variety. Yeah. So you get this sort of cooked, jammy, um, compote, stewed fruit character. So this has definitely got plum. There's a little bit of leather in there. And warmer climate Shirazes for me are often quite meaty. Yeah, yeah. So I get a little bit of smoke charcoal possibly from the oak but then it's sort of almost lamb and I don't know whether it's a smell association you know word association but yeah. you think Shiraz got to have some lamb well actually that's exactly the thought that went through my mind when I tasted the first two I had a few sips and I was like hmm, this is nice I could really finish this glass as soon as I started drinking this Barossa one uh, which is what a bishop it's the Ben Glatzer so he's from uh South Australian winemaking royalty. His <laughs> father, Johnny Glatzer, is one of the icons of the industry. Yeah. Um, it's called the Bishop. It is consistently one of the better Shirazes from the Barossa for me. Yeah. Because even though it is high in alcohol, it doesn't exhaust me as much as those no. 14 15%. But it's noticeable. But, like, I had a sip and the first thing I thought was, like, give me a steak or a burger yep. or just some sort of protein it it really makes me want to eat and let's face it we australians are famous for barbecue yes so the the bishop this this reminds me of barbecue because you have that smokiness as well as that meatiness plus that sort of red fruit character so i think it is a match made in heaven and that's why it's one of our iconic wine grape varieties because it suits our lifestyle and what we do. Yeah. Do you think it would be fair to say that um, a Rhone or a cool climate like a Yarra Valley 
Syrah Shiraz are more likely to be better on their own or with cheese and stuff. And if you wanted a big, heavy meal, are you better to go with Brussels? Yeah, if you're going to go meat <laughs> on a barbecue, uh, go something from the, from a warmer climate for mushroom risotto. Um, imagine those two first two wines with that. French food I find always very hard to match because it is so rich and there's so many flavours. Italian food, even with these cool climate stresses, I think is a little bit better because the Italians tend to take four ingredients, but the best ingredients, yeah. and turn it into something simple but delicious. Yeah. Whereas France, they just layer in, you know, 5,000 kilos of, of butter. But I would be happy drinking that Rhone um, with a very rare steak and some bone marrow on top okay so quickly before we finish up we've got Yarra Valley we've spoken about Barossa is there anywhere we've missed in Australia which is um really good for Shiraz and worth tasting um I mean the Hunter Valley is famous for Shiraz I find them quite leathery quite meaty um quite dark and then in Victoria we've got Heathcote Shiraz which I I was doing a tasting of Heathcote Shiraz last week and there's a, there's a muddy, earthy quality about them. And it's not fresh earth like you get, you know, when it's just started to rain or you're walking in the forest. It's that real muddiness when you're taking off your boots after you've walked in mud. Cool. I find that in, in Heathcote. Yeah. Um, that sounds really cool. Yeah. And, it, it, again, it's a bigger style. It's something yeah. that you need a bit of protein with and a long time to drink. I could happily drink a cool climate Shiraz just chatting to you yeah. during the afternoon. but. Something that's from a warmer climate, I need to have food with. I think it's because of the alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll finish up there for Shiraz, but if anyone has any questions on it, as always, send them through. We'll finish up with a question. Um, this one comes from Tom. He was asking me about global warming and how it's affecting our warm uh, warm climate grape regions and he was saying stuff like about Barossa in South Australia he's like how much of this heat can it withstand before it's no longer going to be a grape growing region yeah I well unless we do something about it it won't be a grape growing region or we will have to plant two varieties that with can withstand heat so there's a sort of bit of a laugh um in the industry that we should plant anything ending in an O. <laughs> so Tempranillo, for example, which comes from the hot part of Spain. Yeah. Um, but we may not be able to grow grapes in the Barossa, and that's just a shame. What kind of timeline are we looking at? Well, the 30 to 40 years. Jeez, I mean, my children it? may not be able to drink Barossa and Shiraz. Wow. <laughs> um, which would be very sad. Oh, gosh, it, it really is, and I think if anything was going to make me become a full-on environmentalist and turn off the lights in my house, it's that. Well, absolutely, but really hit up the National Party. They're the people that are supposed to represent <laughs> the farmers. Yeah. But they really are the mining party these days. Sorry, I shouldn't have got po- let politics yeah, get in the way. up in here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we can't – the Yarra Valley f- for 10 years fell yeah. out of cool climate classification during the last drought. No. Yeah, because our climatic oh indices were averages went beyond cool climate. It came back in in 2011. Wow. And that's going to happen right around the world. Bordeaux is planting varieties. Bordeaux, you know, the biggest traditionalist in the world, is planting varieties from Portugal now. Wow. To 
protect themselves against climate change. And like I've noticed that, um, gosh, in the last five years, I'm just hearing more and more about Tasmania, which is so cold. Like, does this have anything to do with the world heating up? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, there's a sobering sorry, finish sorry, sorry, just for this podcast. <laughs> the thing about Shiraz, I would, what I want to say, is award diversity. Drink yeah. across the climates. Look at the different bottle shapes. Yeah. Maybe buy one of each when you're out there and just have a look at the difference. And, okay, they're the same great variety, but just appreciate the wine that's in your glass rather than comparing it all always to something else absolutely well we'll finish that off i'm going to put uh, the wines that we've tasted in the show notes on the description and also you can check them out on our instagram which is wine with megan mel but until next time we hope you enjoy